This is Positively Farming Media. Welcome to We Drink and We Farm Things. This is the farm comedy podcast that is an adult happy hour for the farming community. We drink adult beverages, talk about the ups and downs of farming things, and give zero clucks about not having the perfect farm life. We keep it real with you and share the mistakes we've made and what we've learned so you can feel less alone in this farm thing. We drink things, we farm things, we drink and farm things. Oh, hey there. Welcome to We Drink and We Farm Things. I am one of the co-hosts of this great podcast, Bev Ross. My co-host, Sam, is currently on maternity leave, and she's actually just made her announcement that baby Jameson was born. So there will be a link in the show notes to her announcement in case you missed it so that you can go check it out and send her some well wishes and tell her how adorable he is because he is just so adorable. (laughs) All right. So today, this episode is not the episode you've been expecting. I decided to simplify this episode and split it into two because I wanted to get the episodes out to you faster. So the name of the game the rest of this quarter is figuring out how I can make the podcast process as simple as possible so that the episodes can start coming out in a timely manner like you guys deserve and are expecting. And I love doing this podcast. So I'm doing it for me as well so that I don't feel guilty or pressure when I'm not recording and producing the things that I want to. So it's something for both of us. That's just a little bit of housekeeping and behind the scenes of this podcast. So if you've been wondering why the format keeps jumping around, that is why. And you'll probably keep seeing it jump around just a little bit until I settle into a really good process. So our drink peeps this episode are our friends Elizabeth Steves and Jenny Beck, and they are at Steel02 over on the Instagram, and Beck's Boots to Roots over on the Instagram. So cheers, ladies. All right, so I already told you that this episode is not the episode you've been expecting, but it is a story about a farming first. Next week's episode is where the community farming first will be. So please send those in if you have a community farming first that you want to share. And if you don't, that's totally fine, but you will hear those stories next week on the podcast. So there is still a little bit of time to send some in if you haven't yet, because I haven't put that episode together, but it's happening soon. So this story is something that's really special to me because, uh, like I mentioned, it is a farming first for me. And on the surface, the story feels like it's a story about rescuing a calf. But through the process of really working through it and processing the results of the actions I took and everything that has happened since then, I realized that it's a story that's about so much more. So I'm hoping that it's something that you can relate to. And if you do, I'd love to hear from you over in my DMs on Instagram. You can send me a DM at Drink and Farm, or you can DM me over on at Ross Roost Farm. I love to talk about these types of things with you and connect with you over them. So don't be shy. 
send me a message. I'd love to chat. It was around 5 p.m. on a hot and sticky Friday afternoon in late June. I was sitting at my desk, squinting my eyes at the three bright monitors in front of me through half-full cups of water and coffee so old that the milk was starting to curdle. I was really behind at work, and I had been feeling really pressured to get caught up. And if I had to pinpoint when I started feeling behind, I would say that it was around 2017 after my family and I were in a car accident that uh, all of us were in the car together, which was a little traumatizing in its own right. But long story short, an intoxicated driver went left of center. And after the accident, I ended up with some nerve damage that made sitting at my desk really uncomfortable and sleep nearly impossible. And obviously, that kind of can do some things to your focus and make it so that it's really hard to get things done. I also struggle with focus just in general because I was diagnosed with ADHD this year and currently I'm actually still dialing in my medication and figuring out what combination is going to work to give me the best focus that I can get while still allowing me to do things like sleep and and be myself. It's not uh, an easy process to go through by any means, but that's where I was on this day, and that is currently where I still am. So I appreciate everyone being so patient and loving with me uh, because I really need it. (laughs) So I keep my phone on silent, uh, and I do that all the time. It protects my focus, like I mentioned. I tend to struggle with it. And that day, my phone was on silence, and I saw the screen light up. There was a phone call coming through, and I have social anxiety. I don't like phone calls, so I really prefer not to answer them. It was a local number, but I let it go to voicemail just so that I can figure out what it is before I had to respond to it, or maybe it was something I didn't need to respond to. But then they called again, and sent a text message. And I was like, okay, there must be something really important happening. I've got to look at what this is. So I read the text and it says, do you know who the farmer on Route 50 is with the cows along the creek? I called the number back. I don't know who the farmer is, but I live in a really small community and I know exactly what cows uh, in what creek they are talking about. And so I'd like to help if at all possible. But I've been burned out as of late, like really burned out. And so I've been learning how to draw boundaries for myself and also, you know, boundaries for other people to help protect my own mental health. And I decide that in this moment, I'm actually going to just point them in the direction of someone else that can help because I don't feel like it's me. I'm burnt out and that's it, which is a really hard thing to admit, especially when your default is to say yes to help and you really enjoy doing that. So when I call the number back, a voice greets me on the other end and says, hey there, While I was tubing, we found a calf that was stuck along the creek, and there's no answer at the door at the farm that we think this calf is from. 
can you help? Do you know who the farmer is? And uh, I laughed a little because the voice was actually uh, a friend of ours that used to work at the high school that's in our area. And my default for friends that are teachers uh, are to call them, you know, Mr. or Mrs., whatever their last name is. And so that's how I greeted my friend today. And I probably will uh, for the rest of eternity because it's a hard habit to break. I asked him a few questions about the calf. I needed to know how big was it? Because if I was gonna go help, I needed to know that I was physically capable of it. I also wanted to make sure that we weren't gonna get hurt because cows can be pretty big and they might have horns or you know, there might be other issues in the area that could make this kind of a dangerous undertaking. And I wanted to make sure that this was something that wasn't going to be that. So he, describes the calf to me, tells me all about how it's stuck. And I'm like, you know what? Why don't you go ahead and just send me a picture of it? And he sends the picture through text message. I take one look at it and I'm like, all right, I got to go do something to help this calf. It was a tiny calf, not very big. Couldn't be more than you know, a few weeks old, maybe a month or two, but he was laying down and he was wedged underneath a tree root. So his body and his legs were under a tree root that was growing on the bank. The bank was sloped and it looked like he had kind of just like fell into it. Like it was an envelope that was the perfect size for him to slide in, but he couldn't slide all the way through. So he had been wedged. And I knew by looking at this picture that this calf was not going to get out of that on its own, the angle. And also, you know, we had no idea how long he had been stuck there. So uh, it was a pretty safe bet that if someone didn't go get the calf out, that something terrible would end up happening to him. And I didn't want that to be the case. So I got up. I grabbed an axe and a halter and some animal crackers and a pair of loppers, and I am ready to go. And as I'm loading my car, my husband is out mowing and he's watching me. And when he sees me walking over with the axe, I think that was when he was like, oh, oh, wait a minute, what is happening here? I need to ask some questions. And the first thing he says is actually, uh, what are you doing with that? And I'm like, well, I need an axe. So I grabbed it. He's like, well, that's not an axe. That's a log splitter. So uh, the axe is that thing over there. Why don't you go ahead and swap them out? <laughs> I was like, oh, shoot. Maybe, maybe I need a little help with this. Maybe this isn't something I should go rush into and do by myself. But then he asks, you know, what exactly are you doing? Why do you need an axe? Why are you rushing out at now 5.30 in the afternoon? Or maybe it was around six on a Friday. And I tell him the story and he just let out a really exasperated sigh and said, why does everyone call you? And it was a fair question because he knew how burned out I was and he knew how tired I was. And he didn't want me to go burn myself out further by, you know, jumping into this creek and saving a calf if there was someone else uh, that was available to do it. And so 
I decided, well, I'll go ahead and call one of our neighbors. We have a neighbor that knows, you know, most everybody. Actually, most of our neighbors know most everybody but us because we're not from here. But unfortunately, they didn't know who the farmer was either. And they did offer to come and help if I needed it. But I could tell that they were pretty burnt out also. So I decided that I wasn't going to ask them to come help. But before our conversation was done, he let me know, you know, even if you do save this calf out of the creek, you know that if he's injured or, you know, something ends up being, you know, a long-term issue because of this, he will probably be euthanized. These are beef calves. They have a purpose and a very important purpose, I might add. And that was kind of a fair assessment in my mind because I thought, you know, I think He's just trying to protect my heart. He doesn't want me to burn myself out further by saving this calf. And then, you know, it's all, you know, for nothing in the end, essentially, was the message I was feeling from it. But I told him, you know, I'll go down there by myself and assess the situation and get a plan together. And if I need your help, I'll let you know. But, you know, thanks. (laughs) And so I decided that it was time to go go ahead and head on out. And as I was backing out, my husband pulls into the garage with the mower and stops me and is like, come on, I'll go with you. And I'm really glad that he did because it turns out that a calf is something that's actually really hard to rescue on your own, even if you are pretty capable and physically able, like I am very fortunate to be. And they're heavy, they're big, but uh, I didn't want to stress him out further because obviously he hadn't really wanted me to go in the first place. But I said, okay, I would like some help. Um, It'll be nice to have a second set of eyes and a second brain here on this. My brain is burnt out and sometimes making decisions can be really hard when you're burnt out. And on the way to this farm, our friends had sent us a pin on a map to tell us where to park uh, and how to find them. He starts grilling me about all the details, and I realize in that moment that I don't actually have any of the details. All I really have is that they were tubing, which tells me they don't have any equipment or probably even shoes on them, so they don't have anything to do this themselves. And I know that it's a calf that's stuck, and I know approximately where it's at, and that's it. No other details. I have nothing else to go by. And I think that that makes my husband just a tad nervous. I think he wanted to know more about what we were walking into. And and that's totally fair. Typically, my anxiety prevents me from walking into those kinds of situations. But when I can feel and see that there's something that really needs to be done, I'm usually able to push those things out. So I just tell him, we're just going to go and go look at it and go figure it out. It'll be fine. (laughs) So we get to the farm where we believe this calf is from. And sure enough, there is nobody home. There is a gate on the pasture and it's kind of a long hike back to the creek to where the calf is. So at that moment, we decide to put together a plan B. So I'm going to go to the calf with the tools and get to work. My husband is going to go drive around to the neighbors to see if we can figure out who owns the farm and the calf so that we can maybe get a hold of them. And then we will figure it out from there. 
And there was a gate there that wasn't locked that we could actually walk through. And so my friends led me to where the calf was by walking across the big pasture that's part of this farmer's property. And as we're walking and I'm carrying the axe, and it is now an axe this time, not a log splitter, and all of these you know, tools and things, I realize what I must look like walking across this pasture. I mean, to anyone from the outside that didn't know what was going on, it kind of looked like I was going in there to like steal or hurt a cow. And it made me really nervous that maybe somebody was home and watching and that we were getting ready to have like a bunch of trouble come rain down on us, which would have been fair because I can see how that would make somebody else really nervous. But in my heart, I knew that I had a good intention for it. So I was like, well, I will cross that bridge when I come to it. We got to the calf and it turns out that the calf was down a pretty steep bank. We had to do some climbing. It involved swinging on branches and a little bit of jumping. And I was like, I am not going to be able to get out of here, but oh well, I will figure that out. (laughs) It's time to go cut a calf out. So we get down there, see the calf, and he's definitely stuck, like stuck, stuck. I try to kind of pull him backwards out of the wedged spot that he's in and realize that I'm not strong enough to do that, and he's not strong enough to help me. He's probably been there for a few hours at least, so he's pretty tired and a little thirsty and a little hungry. I tried to give him some animal crackers that I had brought, but he decided that he didn't want animal crackers. He was super suspicious of us and wanted to know what we were doing there. (laughs) I put the halter on him and went ahead and started getting to work chopping him out. And the reason I put a halter on him was because I didn't want him to run into the creek and drown because I didn't know how weak he was after this. But I also didn't know if he'd get a burst of energy and end up doing that. And also, I wanted to make sure that we had control over him so that we could bring him to the farmer once we found them, just in case he needed some extra you know, care and support. I've actually never taken care of a calf, so I have no idea uh, what to do to help him once he's out. So I'm really hoping we can find his farmer. And I wanted to make sure that we didn't lose an injured calf that they had to go, you know, now run around and look for. So he wore the halter. He probably had never put on a halter before, but he let me do it and he seemed okay with it. And I started chopping with the ax on the root that was keeping him pinned down that was behind him. And it was really exhausting. Swinging an ax that hard for that long is actually really hard. And I don't have to do that that often. So I was a little out of shape. I was standing in the creek to swing the ax and uh, get it in the right spots so that I wouldn't hurt the calf, but could also be most effective. And I was getting exhausted. I was wet. I was tired. My arms were burning. This was like serious hard work. And I had only gotten like a quarter of the way through the route. And I hear Jared coming down the bank. He had joined us again and and found us. And when he got there, I'm like, oh my gosh, thank goodness, you know, you're here because I cannot swing this axe anymore. (laughs) I wanted really hard to uh, be strong and do it myself, but it was just not in the cards. So he takes over the axe chopping and I am comforting the calf and making sure that he doesn't put his head, you know, in the way of what we're having to chop. And we got 
the root, he gets all the way through the root. So the calf is semi-free. We actually can't get the calf out at this point still, though. There's a second root that needs to be chopped over near the calf's head. And so I am just hugging the calf's head and pulling him to the other side while uh, my husband, Jared, uh, chops the other side of the root and we get him out. And oh my gosh, it felt like such a relief for this calf to just like slide out of this area that it had been stuck. It was a relief to us. It was a relief to him. It was a relief to our friends because our friends hung around to to cheer on uh, and help in any way that they could the whole rescue. And once we got the calf away from where he had been stuck at, it was obvious that he couldn't walk. And that was a really big bummer because we were like yeah, this calf is injured. This isn't good. But it's also possible that he's just weak. But one of his hooves, he was like walking with it bent in front. So he's like walking on the front of the hoof, kind of like it was sprained or broken. And we thought, oh man, this is kind of a bummer. And he's definitely not going to get up this really steep bank like this. And he the calf just kind of collapses and is just lying down in the water. So we're like, all right, we're going to have to carry this calf out. What are we going to do? The bank is too steep where we're at. So we decided that uh, we would go ahead and go into the creek with him and kind of swim, carry him over to an area of the bank where it was less steep. One of the things that makes this podcast so special is our listeners' stories, your stories. And to make sharing your story easy, you can leave it on our voicemail at 401 426 Farm, which is 401-426-3276. This quarter, we're looking for your farm stories about your farming firsts, our favorite mistress to bless and curse no matter the season, which is of course Mother Nature, and stories about planning farm projects or winging it. But really, we will take all of your farm stories because we'll be able to build future episodes around them, which will just be so much fun. That number again is 401-426-FARM, which is 401-426-3276. We can't wait to hear and share your stories. And that would let us be able to get him out a little easier. And so my husband and I are holding this calf. We've got him draped over our arms, the two of us standing next to each other. And we walk into the water and kind of crouch down and we're, you know, using the water to help hold his weight while also moving forward and swimming through to get to a spot where it was less steep and we could actually have a chance of getting him out. And it felt like forever, but it really wasn't. And we had him out. We had him out on the bank and up the side of the bank on an area where he could be loaded up to, you know, go, go somewhere where he could get the treatment that he needed and be safe, which was a huge relief. We did not want to carry the calf all the way across the pasture. It would have been very difficult and exhausting. So we decide that my husband's going to go get our side-by-side and come back and we'll load the calf up and then we'll drive him up to the farmer's house and see if you know they're back yet and if we can give them their calf. And I had suggested that we just load him up in the back of the Subaru because our Subaru could totally drive back there. But apparently my husband did not want a calf in the back of our family car, which is fair. (laughs) 
So the calf and I got to spend about 30 minutes laying on the bank waiting for help to come back. Our friends had gone with Jared because they needed to go get their other car from the tubing trip. And also everyone, I think, kind of wanted to get like some t-shirts and sandals and things like that. And so it was just a quiet time with this calf. And he didn't try to move or get up. He seemed incredibly exhausted and he slept a good bit of the time. I just laid there next to him and stroked his head and listened to the creek as it, you know, bubbled by and made its creek noises, which are incredibly soothing out there. And I realized that it didn't matter to me if the calf died right now or if because of an injury he had to be euthanized. I did the right thing for myself by going out and getting this calf because I didn't want him to die scared and alone trapped under a tree root. That wasn't a death that I wanted any creature to experience. So I really came to be at peace with the fact that this calf might not make it. And I even felt a little good about the part that I'd had in at least giving him a comfortable place to land should it be his final destination. And my husband came back with the mule and our friends. And after that, it was kind of a whirlwind of just loading the calf up and deciding what to do with him next. It turns out that the farmer still was not home and it wasn't going to be an option to just leave the calf behind because he couldn't walk and he was really weak and obviously needed food. So we decided that we were going to go ahead and take him home until we could find where he belongs and find the proper people to help care for him. And on our way there, we're going to stop at another neighbor's house that actually has calves. uh, And hopefully they have a calf bottle and can tell us a little bit about this calf, like, you know, how old it is and what kind it is and, you know, things like that. And so we drive off this farmer's farm in the back of, I'm in the back of the side by side with the cat draped across my lap and cars are driving by us and looking and I'm like, it looks like we just full on stole a calf from a farm. And I really hate that feeling. I hate feeling like other people may think that we may have done something awful like that. But I pushed that out of my mind and just thinking about getting to our neighbor's house so that we can get some more information on how we needed to take care of this calf. And we get there. He doesn't have a calf bottle, unfortunately, but he does tell us the calf is several weeks old, but he is, you know, a a big slash smallish calf. He's not newborn, which was good. That meant that he had a better chance. And our neighbor went ahead and let us know who the farmer was because he knew, which was excellent, and told us, you know, a little bit about what we could do to take care of him. And so we took him home to our barn. And we fed the calf goat's milk out of a goat bottle, which was very hilarious and didn't work very well. We got milk like everywhere (laughs) and the calf didn't get much milk in him. And it was very frustrating for him because clearly he was very hungry and we're like, oh, shoot, we just do not have the tools to take care of a calf, but we're doing our best. And after we got some food in him and we got him settled into the barn, 
My husband called the farmer to let them know uh, what had happened and that we had their calf and to ask them, you know, what they would like us to do next. And uh, it turns out that this farmer was actually on vacation. It was the first trip they had taken in years. And it was only the second time they had had an issue on the creek with a cow. Uh, And it had been decades since the last one. And of course, it was on their first day of vacation. So hearing that, I thought yeah, we really did the right thing because they would not have been home and would not have found him. So I'm really glad that we did this. They asked us if we minded holding on to him for the night and they were going to send their daughter and son-in-law to come pick him up the next day. And we said that that was fine. At this point, we were pretty well invested in the calf and we didn't want anything to happen to him. So it was totally fine by us. And it was around nine o'clock that night when we came in from the barn and showered and got to eat dinner. So it was a pretty long rescue from start to finish, and we were just exhausted. Before I went to bed, I went out there to check on the calf one more time and went ahead and fed him and found him to be doing really well, which made me really happy, especially because, you know, my neighbor had let me know that calves can be kind of fragile in a strange way. They're really strong, but also, you know, being without food and water and being stuck in the position that he was in could have really made it difficult for him to recover. So uh, he had told me not to be surprised if I walked out there and the calf had died. Also, he had reminded me that if the calf's injury was so bad that, you know, he couldn't be rehabilitated properly, that he would probably be euthanized. So it was the second time I heard that. And I was was okay with that. I decided that was fine. Or I was going to just see if the farmer would let me buy the calf from him. And then I was going to rehabilitate him and keep him here as a pet for Percy. And we would just have two pet cows now, (laughs) which is kind of insane. The next morning, I went out kind of expecting to see a calf that wasn't doing so well, but I was pleasantly surprised. He was doing fantastic. He was energetic. He was still limping. He was having trouble with that hoof that he was walking on the wrong way. And I went ahead and found a different solution for feeding him. I used a goat nipple again, but I put it on a one liter bottle so that he could get more milk at a time. Uh, And that seemed to work much better and made him much happier. So I was feeling good. His ride arrived just a couple hours after that, and I took them out there and told them the story of what had happened. And when we got into the barn, it turned out the calf wasn't doing very well, which was a surprise and kind of a little bit of a gut punch because he had been doing so well just a little bit before that. But we decided to go ahead and load him up in their truck, and they were going to take him back to the farm that he belonged on and they were going to try to reunite him with his mom because we thought that would be his best bet at survival. Even with the limp, as long as he could keep up and as long as his mom would take him back, we thought that he would eventually catch up uh, and rehabilitate. So we loaded him up and he left. And I didn't really want the calf to leave. (laughs) I was feeling really attached to him, but uh, I felt good knowing that he was going somewhere where he'd have a better chance of survival. So I put it out of my mind. I sent pictures of the rescue to my new friends that had picked up the calf and they were pretty floored by where he was stuck and how he had been stuck. They updated me a few hours later and let me know that he had been reunited with his mom. He was keeping up with his herd and that it seemed like everything was going to be fine. And I really sighed a 
sigh of relief. I was so happy to hear that. With Grebley Farms Chicken Feed Fresh Packs, your flock can enjoy a farm-fresh recipe inspired by foods they naturally love. Instead of using soy or fish, Fresh Packs Layer Feed is made with sustainably harvested insect protein, vegetables, and whole grains, which keeps your feathered fam happily nourished and egg yolks bright and creamy. And every peck is rich with essential vitamins and minerals for strong feathers and eggshells, as well as probiotics to aid in digestion. Not only is Grubbly Farms Fresh Packs a great choice for you and your flock, it's earth-friendly too. Every bag recycles 35 pounds of food waste to lighten the load on landfills and reduce the emission of methane gas and protects 10 pounds of fish from being harvested from our oceans. It's a win all around. Save 25% off your first order of Grubbly Farms Fresh Packs and everything else they offer by using code DRINKINFARM25 at grubblyfarms.com. Grubbly Farms, a superfood for pets and a superhero for our planet. A few weeks later, my new friends sent me a text with a picture of the calf to let me know that he was still doing fantastic. They have named the calf Russell, (laughs) and he was being bottle-fed, so it looks as though they did eventually have to pull him from his mom and raise him separately, but he looked good and healthy and big. And at that time, I had no idea how badly I really needed to know what happened to that calf and how I needed to know, you know, what the result had been because I had been so burnt out and was continuing to push myself really hard. I was really reaching the point of like full burnout. And I had thought that this story of rescuing the calf was about, you know, always doing what you can to help and always saying yes, you know, to helping because that's what good people do. But uh, I had also been feeling guilty because of how horrible I had just been, you know, feeling. And uh, without knowing what happened to the calf, I had started kind of telling myself a story that I had burned myself even more for nothing. And that was starting to be just a little upsetting too. But it turns out that what I really learned from this was that the advice about drawing boundaries and, you know, protecting yourself and your mental health when you're starting to feel burnt out can kind of feel broad. A lot of the advice says, you know, to say no to anything that's not critical, you know, cut out all of the extra things in your life that are adding adding stress and not joy. And I don't think for me that that advice really worked because what I really needed before I drew boundaries was I needed to clearly define my boundaries so that I could feel confident in upholding them. And through this rescue, I realized that one of my values was taking care of life, of animal life and my neighbors and my community. And so going out there and rescuing that calf, even though I was so tired and burned out, was the right answer for me because that was something that was part of my values. And that's not necessarily going to be true for everybody. So 
Now I have drawn clearer boundaries around the things that I value. And there are some things that I will overextend myself for because it's a part of who I am. And that's a part of what I think makes us human is uh, the things that uh, we're willing to go the extra mile for or stretch ourselves extra thin for. And that's going to be different for everyone. And I feel confident in upholding my boundaries because I know exactly where to draw them based on the way that I have set up my values. So I'm no longer feeling like I may have let a boundary slip. And so now I'm feeling guilty because I'm not doing a good job upholding them. I know exactly when I don't need to draw a boundary because it's a boundary that I don't need to draw because it's it's for myself. I'm doing it just as much for myself as I am for the other person. And I'm 100% confident that I will rescue another calf out of the creek if I'm called to do it again. So that's it. I hope you enjoyed this story of rescuing Russell the calf out of the creek. If you have your own story that you would love to share on our podcast, I'd love it if you would call our voicemail and tell me about it. You can call 401-426-FARM, which is 401-4276. And if you want to just leave the story on there, I can play it as you tell it. Or if you want to just give me a gist of what it's about, we can discuss further about how to record your story and get it here on the podcast because your stories are part of um, what makes this drink and farm community so great. All right. So that's it. And until next time, drink, farm, and give zero clucks. <laughs> Bye for now. We drink things, we farm things, we drink and farm things.